Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Centuro. I'm Zan Ali, joined by Ben and Siraj, as usual. So, guys, I'm going to get straight into it and hit you with some quickfire news stories. So, first of all, um, as you probably know, companies like Netflix, Amazon, Prime, Disney Plus are being really well since COVID happened. Everyone's kind of purchasing um, more subscriptions. We've kind of discussed this in previous episodes. Um, but Netflix has now announced they're actually going to make some content completely free. So you no longer need a subscription. And this content is obviously limited. Um, it's all Netflix original content. So they obviously own all the rights. It's easier to do it that way. Um, so they've got films like Bird Box, uh, TV shows like Stranger Things. When it's TV series, only the first episode's free. So then if you yeah. want to watch the rest, you've got to subscribe. Get, get taste. Um, but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts. And it's an interesting way because there is so much competition now, because there are all these different subscriptions. People have signed up to more than one in the past, but now they're thinking, you know, it's just too much. Let's cut down. So this is a kind of a new marketing approach to get more users on. So what do you guys think about that? I think it'd be really interesting if they do it on the titles that they're most famous for of their original. So Stranger Things, etc. That kind of stuff where everyone's messaging about it and you know, it kind of goes viral and everyone starts binging it because everyone else is binging it. I think that then makes sense because people will go and check out that first one and it, it'll reduce the barrier to entry a little bit, let them get the taste in first and then go, oh yeah, I do like this. I, I would now want to keep talking about the Stranger Things season with 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 my friends, I better, all right, I'll sign up. And especially if they can make then I imagine they'll have some sort of intermediate step to get them signed up as well. Month free trial, 50% discount. Like They'll be able to get the people that watch that first episode and, and hook them in some way as well, uh, just to reduce that friction even further. So it, I think it makes sense. Yeah, I, th I think um, it's the classic freemium model, isn't it? So you, you get people in for free, you hook them on the on the actual service, and then, then you hope to up, up, um, sell them to a paid subscription. I, th I think... The thing with Netflix is their offering is just so good. Everything works. And if you haven't tried it, then this is a way of getting a taste of it. You, you see how simple it is. You see how good it is. And then I think the, the, the odds, and they've probably worked out the stats of upselling up people from a freemium model is going to be really good. Just, you know, on, on that, uh, the, the whole subscription thing, um, Netflix is interesting in that they research the fact that one of the downsides of subscriptions is people don't like it when it's hard to unsubscribe. Um, you know, you, you guys must have had that where you subscribe to something, but then when you want to unsubscribe, you have to phone on a second Tuesday between 1 and 1.22, and you have to stand on your one leg and lean to the side, and only then do you see the unsubscribe button, you know. So they've made it so simple, and then they've also included something where if you don't use your Netflix for, for a certain length of time, and I think it's a year, it automatically unsubscribes you. Uh, and I think that's just taking that that customer service to the next level, and, and, and they just back their, they back their product, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think Netflix are pretty, they're very good at kind of looking at that user experience, how to make it better. It's a whole separate topic on its own, but I was recently looking into Netflix's kind of international growth. They got into 190 countries in seven years. And the way they did it was start in the US, then they kind of 
um, expanded into countries that were similar, so English speaking, started with Canada, then probably went into the UK. And they were looking at what are those local laws in similar countries? How do we adapt to those? Because obviously there's so many different laws with rights and the different uh, footage and how you display it. And then once they'd mastered that, they then went to other continents because they got a grip on the local laws and then expanded, rapid, expanded rapidly. And then the next stage was languages. So having done all of that, then the step was let's convert all the content into as many languages as we can to get as many users as we can. And now I guess this is their next step of kind of increasing that user experience, although slightly contrary to that, although it still works, they've sort of copied YouTube a little bit. So on the free model, um, there is a 30 second advert that will play before you watch. That, yeah. yeah, but it is skippable. It's a little bit like YouTube in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. So then you got, you kind of got to have a balance of how much if, if it's just one episode and it's advertised because on a freemium model you kind of justify it right like people kind of accept the ads because they're getting it for free but if you're just getting that one episode for free is it then just sort of seem quite annoying almost that you're getting the ad it's like it's just one episode but i guess that, that'll, that'll help them justify it to the to the board and so forth for for the spend and the cost yeah okay so Let's go to the next news story. So actually, before I get onto that, I don't know if you guys saw uh, a couple of days ago, David Blaine went up into the sky holding balloons. So he had some uh, helium balloons, I guess, um, held onto them and went up 10,000 feet before sky, well, he didn't even have a parachute on. It was in one of the balloons. So when, when he got to a certain level, he had to get the parachute, put it on, and then skydive back down to Earth. I, I I didn't, but uh, I'm going to look that it up. Is, up. Yeah, you got to see that. And now now I've got to ask the question. I'm going. Do you realize that you look like David Blaine, um, Zane? Has, <laughs> it, has anyone ever I've, told I've you? I've heard that, that before. Yeah. Okay. okay, it was it's a, magic. It was a magic. nickname yeah. at school, David yeah. Zane. Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> uh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, a, a much younger version these days, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does like crazy that. things. He does. It's a. It's amazing, and, and it's amazing if you look at that. Is I don't know how he they've monetized that or commercialized these guys that have become such so famous, but they do become brands in their own right, don't they? I don't know if they actually do um, have sponsor. I'm sure they have sponsorship. He probably deals. have a Vegas show or something as well, where he works for three six months of the year um, yeah. and makes millions and so forth. Yeah, but the reason I brought that up, it wasn't specifically about that was, but the next story, Amazon have actually recently been given approval by the US Federal Aviation Administration to actually do commercial deliveries by drone. So they've now got these drones, which I think they're capable of carrying up to five pounds, which is about two, just over two kilograms. Um, but they're going to start testing that out where they can just deliver to your house without, you know, delivery. They, they were talking about testing that in Australia as well, weren't they? I don't know if... And I know there was a big joke at one point where they would have a blimp that all the drones flew out of and that would be their warehouse and so forth. Um, I don't think the thing is that I don't think that's too far away. I mean, I, I really don't. And, and why not? Um, I think I think the actual just air traffic in general is going to be quite a thing. If you if you see any movie that that shows forward to the future, like, you know, we're already in the future, right? So in the movies like Back to the Future and all of that, we are in the future. But when when, when you see that the one thing that hasn't happened are all the flying cars. We've got kind of cell phones and things that they predicted. 
but not flying cars and as busy air traffic. I think we're getting there. There's more and more things like that happening. I, I, I feel like it's a little way off, though. I, I think it seems like the, the natural thing to do, but I think when you start taking into account noise pollution, which people, like, as soon as you've got a few drones flying around, you can just see people starting to complain of this constant, like, um, <laughs> as it's coming in and out. And especially if you're in a, in a hub, like I'm in Canary Wharf at the moment, and the amount of things people might be getting delivered here. Um, and then also, what would that cost be to people finding it fun to try and catch a drone and nick it, um, or just, or just shoot it down? Um, and yeah. And then what if one falls out of the sky and drops its package and hits someone? I wonder, I wonder if they've uh, like looked into the liability cost of that, of hitting someone in the head with a book from 200 feet in the air. Um, so uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I think that seems like the way to go. Um, but I, I just wonder if there's a few extra levels that don't immediately pop up, but once you start going, well, what about this and this and it, yeah. Yeah, I, right, I know then. that there's a there's a blood bank in Africa that uses drones to deliver crucial blood to to accident victims yeah. or, or or certain areas that are a bit more remote, and so they have a in the central city they have the blood bank, and if someone needs it, they literally and I've seen the videos where the drone comes and they almost just hook the the package on yeah. and it just keeps going and then drops it yeah. in in in, a, in an area. It's, I, that, I think, that yeah. works. I think things like that people would have a higher tolerance for if they know that's the kind of case of what, what the is being used for. If you're sitting looking out your window and you keep seeing what just someone's same day delivery going by of, of some socks or something, like I think it then your tolerance of like the annoyance goes. But if you're like, oh, that's probably going off to help someone. Um, yeah, there's a lot of practical issues that they need to think about, and especially the legal. I mean, lawmakers are so slow to adapt. The technology is moving so fast that how does the law keep up with some of these developments? Yeah. And by the time those guys get together, sit in a room, then they have to draft it and they have to pass it. It takes like minimum three years just to... Do you think they would automate it or they're going to have a room full of people sitting there flying drones to, <laughs> to 14 Bank Street and landing it and then flying it off again? I guess they'd, they'd want to automate it. Yeah. I actually went to a conference last year, I think it was May 2019, um, and there was a speaker from Tencent, which is like one of the largest companies in the world, Chinese companies, and they'd invested in a flying car company from Germany, and they did their first test flight last year, and it was a success. Um, and they were raving about it, it was amazing. But again, like Ben said, that's the first step, super loud, super expensive. How does that work? Then how do you even regulate flying cars? What are the roads in the sky and all the yeah. different issues there? I mean, it's going to take a long time. I, I think I think sky would have to be automation even for people in the vehicle. Like you couldn't let Siraj decide where the lane is um, going up and through the buildings, what height and so forth. Like you'd have to computerize that you need to specifically be in this virtual bubble of air, um. I think the way the way I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a pilot in any any shape or form. But I think small small like helicopters fly by sight, whereas uh, there's certain size of aeroplane that you need to um, kind of be speaking to a air traffic controller to give you a certain altitude so that you're not in anyone's way. But Helicopters, you're literally flying, and if I see another one coming at me, I'll need to turn. 
So it's interesting. It's okay because there just aren't that many. But when 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 we all driving, the one thing if you have a little fender bender with a car, you stop on the side of the road, right? <laughs> if you have that up in the sky, you you don't yeah. you'll stop you'll just fall down to earth. At, uh, yeah. Then probably have another fender bender with a person or a car or a building. Yeah. <laughs> We'd all have to have uh, David Blaine skydiving training. Yeah, yeah. Those parachutes there you go. Ready. Um, so the next story is actually from related to Ben's home country. So I don't know if you saw this, but Facebook has threatened to pull the plug on public sharing of news content um, on Facebook and Instagram in Australia. And the reason for this is um, Australian government has got a new plan where it will require Google and Facebook to share revenue with regional news media outlets to kind of compensate them because they're distributing that content. Users are spending all their time pub, uh, consuming content on the social media sites rather than on those sites. Um, and interestingly, Facebook, Facebook have always said, no, no, there's so much competition on there. We're just an intermediary. You know, you, you can't blame us for this. But then in response to this, they have threatened to, you know, pull the plug on sharing any news content. And the purpose of that threat is essentially to say, look, we're so great. And look how much stuff we have. You're going to suffer if you don't have us, which kind of contradicts their argument of there's all, this other, all these other places to go. Don't worry about us. That's a weird one because... I'm slightly of the of the mindset that you know, as technology and companies grow, other things are going to fall off. You know, when the car started coming out, I'm sure people whose job it was to make horseshoes revolted and were like, "No, you have to give us some of that car money." Um, but like, eventually, trade's going to die off, new things going to come. You you sort of adapt or or you fall behind, right? And that's how we get innovation. That's how we grow and 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 uh, society changes. So. My, my first sort of instinct is almost what, how are they arguing, what, what are they saying Facebook is sharing that they would get on themselves? Like, are they actually just sharing a, a Daily Mail article that isn't then leading people back to Daily Mail or, I guess? The, the thing is that are, are they not, I mean, it's, uh, Australia, as far as I know, is not a socialist um, society right because you start then getting into this again we, how what i find is in our in our chats like this we often go uh this is heading into politics and it probably shows you how closely business and politics are but i mean um, australia is a capitalistic place you guys are very successful at at being capitalists and you have good companies and everything else this feels a bit socialist in the fact that government's coming in to try and um control the competition. Uh, that, yeah, uh, that's that's my sense. I'm getting as a, as a first time I hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it would depend on. You obviously need more context, but like, is it because Facebook are scraping their articles from their websites and posting it, or like, what information is moving onto Facebook that Facebook are gaining the monetary value for, that the news providers aren't? Like, what what yeah, is that it's... that's happening? Because that then you. It depends how they're doing it, right? If you're putting all your information just on your website and you're not trying to post to Facebook or anything and they just happen to be coming through scraping out your detail and that's your article going up there, then you might be starting to say, well, that's my copyrighted material you've got on your site, you're gaining, benefiting from it. But I don't yeah. see that as the way unless, I don't know, I don't get my news from Facebook, so I'm not sure what they might be referring to, but. I think it's just because I don't know the ins and outs, like the things you've suggested, but, you know, Facebook and Google have grown so much in power. And, um, you know, we, we discussed previously the tech hearing in the US. Yeah. Um, and one of Facebook, because Facebook 
is essentially an ads platform. That's how they make all their revenue. So their goal is keep as many people on the sites as possible, present them with the relevant ads, make money through that. That's all being challenged in different ways by a lot of parties. But they've grown so much now that their initial argument was we're an intermediary. We don't share content. Other people share content. We're just hosting it. But it's got yeah. to that stage where they're trying to keep everyone on their platform and stop them going to third-party sites. There was a point where they introduced Facebook video where if you upload a video direct to Facebook, more people will see it. If you link to YouTube, less people will see it because they don't want you to leave the site. So I don't know if that's yeah. coming into this where everyone's, not everyone, but obviously apparently a lot of people are consuming news through Facebook. They don't actually go yeah. to new sites anymore. Those new sites lose out on their ad revenue. Facebook is making that ad revenue, but it's not their content. So it's the yeah. case of, is the law keeping up to date with business practices? Are they trying to, do they need to change these things? Is it, does Facebook have too much power? Yeah. It's also, does the news agent, um, does the news service need to adapt as well? So. <sighs> If you've got an article and you're putting it up on Facebook to, because there was a slight similar argument where uh, Epic, the video game producer, were suing Apple because they, they didn't want to pay, they create an alternative pay route for there and so forth. And Apple's argument was, yes, you have to pay us a margin of your revenue, but that's because we give you access to 100 million iPhones. Um, and without us, you don't have that access. So, you know, there might be a slight similar argument from Facebook of if you you're, you're posting you're here because we're giving you so much uh, visibility and access to people and they're going to see your content. So then is it a case of then you need to think about how seeing that content on Facebook comes back to your site or comes back to you monetarily? And then because Facebook is earning revenue for their distribution, right? Um, so is, is that, which if that's what they've built, they've built a way to get this in front of lots of people, they, they're right to monetize their own service. Does the, I'm just gonna say Daily Mail as, as an example, get have to think about then, all right, if I'm sharing a bit of my article on Facebook to get the eyes on it, how do I get them to my site? Or, you know, is it the, a lot of places now charge you two quid a month to actually read the full article? Is it, is there an option like that? So. Yeah, there's quite often a lot of people are hesitant to then change themselves and try to change other people. So I try. It's got to be both ways at some point, I think. But yeah, I often, I often try to think about the other side. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Kind of leads nicely into the next bit of how how can companies kind of work together in these sorts of scenarios. So there's been a lot of cases in the news recently where I'll try and bring some images up now, um, where certain brands have kind of been not quite working together or working against each other. So as an example, <clears throat> Cause Light recently rebranded and created this new can. And Evian had a nice cheeky response on Twitter. Beautiful, should we send you our graphical guidelines next time? Um, so as you can see, they're very similar. I'm not sure if anything happened from a legal perspective, but I just thought this was a funny one to share. But another interesting one was actually Audi and Brewdog. So um, this is Brewdog's IPA can and Audi recently uh, kind of announced they're launching their own IPA which they're going to be selling from October and this is kind of what they released and it's called Anti-Establishment. So it's almost like a sly dig at Brewdog's. Um, Audi's obviously known for kind of having knockoff type things but what the interesting part of this was 
Brewdog, instead of thinking, oh, well, let's sue them or let's, you know, let's get the lawyers involved, they thought this is a f- an opportunity to kind of raise a bit of brand awareness, have a bit of fun. So they then mocked this up, <laughs> Brewdog, the Audi IPA. Um, and even it carries on. So even after this, like having a slight dig back at Audi, um, they then decided to kind of go have an agreement where they're now, they're now kind of doing a joint venture. So they're releasing, um, I can't remember what it's called. I think it's Yald or Ald, Ald IPA. And that's, so it's become a joint venture now instead of um, Audi working alone. And for every beer that's bought, they're gonna be planting two trees. Um, so they're now working together, which is a good way of dealing with something like that. And I always think, you know, obviously there's the law and you wanna protect things, but sometimes you wanna think more commercially. So that was an interesting one. So, I mean, is that a good way for people to work together? Yeah, that, that that was interesting. I don't know those brands, but just um, uh, you, you know, qu- quite often if you if you if you tread the line really neatly in the middle, no one will notice you. It's when you polarize and when you upset the apple cart, and then then you all of a sudden get a whole lot of free publicity. And what's the age old thing? All prob- any publicity is good, uh, but I think if if the one brand depends who you're picking a fight with, because there's some brands that would just wipe you out, right? They will just say, nah, I'm not interested, I'll wipe you out. I think these two are kind of probably both quite edgy brands. They can play, they, they can they can tease each other, they can use it to spin off. You, you, I wonder if you go back, if there's prop, if any of this was planned, you know, to, to see if you can get it out there. Because it's not a bad strategy just to get out in front of people and get some kind of discussion going. Yeah, I think you're right. I wonder if maybe not planned together, but yeah, if, if it was an intentional, maybe it's just we'll look like Brewdog and, and so forth. I think you're right. Some of it depends on who the brand is. So I I saw recently that Victoria's Secret's coming under fire again for stealing designs from smaller like boutique lingerie brands. And I think one of the recent ones was it was a black owned company, which is obviously topical at the moment and then added an extra lens to to the article and so forth. Um, but yeah, they it showed um, uh, a couple of them, a couple of the companies that were accusing this went back through the order history and found people that were like the creative director for Victoria's Secret had bought like 1200 pounds worth of their inventory and it was like in different sizes and clearly like one of each um, and then the same thing had happened with a different person in Victoria's Secret at this time it was a creative development executive or something like that went to another one um, but that person spotted the order and cancelled it um, because they reckon the order was so odd that all the bras are in different sizes and so forth um, and they were just then blatantly, they were changing the design, but like the, the one of it was like a floral pattern was just pretty much identical, but just how they used that fabric was a little bit different. And so I think that's a case of it's difficult to almost like you couldn't see them being tongue in cheek, um, I imagine, because that's more just blatantly. That's such a bad choice of yeah. words when you're talking about Victoria's <laughs> yeah. Come on, did you set that up? That's just. <laughs> And now you've thrown me off what I was going to say. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, yeah. I should have given you some yeah. warning. Uh, pun, pun unintended. Uh, not, not a pun, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's the case where you can't be tongue-in-cheek uh, and you do kind of just have to do it. But I think depending on how you approach it, I'm sure if you do it more as like a public thing rather than just try to do like a legal matter, you would probably then rally a lot of support. 
um, for for the smaller brand. I imagine a lot of people will go, you know, um, screw the screw the large corporate. There's you know independent brands, and then that they're now aware of this smaller lingerie brand and so forth. So I think you're right that you can approach in different ways that still generate publicity. It's interesting that you know the the the, the Spanish fashion brand Zara. Um, I mean they they they're massive, but they unashamedly um, copy fashion brands. So so the way the fashion industry works is that you you're operating two seasons in advance. So you're designing a whole lot of seasons, you cost your, um, outfits and fashion. Then it goes to the big fashion weeks where people walk the ramp and that this is the latest fashion trends that come out for spring the following year. All Zara does is sit back, wait for those and go, that's nice, I'll copy that. And they knock it off really quickly and they do it slightly differently. And that is their, their business strategy is we're not going to innovate on fashion, we're going to copy but we will copy quickly, and we will, and, and our and our production process is is the competitive advantage. We can go from seeing something to having it in store with a much shorter time than anyone else can, and and that's their competitive advantage. So it's quite it's quite interesting that you can, <coughs> sorry, build your, your 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 brand around that. Yeah, there's a few other brands that do that as well. So um, Boohoo Man, pretty little thing. I don't know if you've heard of those, but they're massive UK brands that have skyrocketed through influencer marketing. But what they do is exactly what you've just described with Zara. So they've got their their factories, their labor. They see a design if, I don't know, Kylie Jenner wears a dress or something goes up um, and everyone's you know posting about it or talking about it on Twitter. Within two days, they will have that mass stocked um, pretty identical, but slightly different. They're branding and they've just targeted kind of oh, know, 12 yeah, to 20 year olds. Or cheap and next day delivery. So then people are straight in with the fashion as well. Yeah, they, yeah. they've they isolated, they, they've seen what the sort of, I guess, problem is for a particular market, that young fast fashion market of, uh, I want it now and I want it for 10 quid. And then they just tailored to that. Um, that's the, the problem they're solving and so forth. Yeah, it's... Uh, I guess there's a fine line between copying and sort of being commercial and like adept and understanding kind of consumer demands, uh, which kind of leads me on to sort of kind of related is a lot of startups always tend to worry, you know, I've got an idea, I want to present it to somebody either for partnership, for investment, for, you know, anything. And they're always, a lot of the time, they're quite scared to share it without having an NDA sign. Um, and there's sort of a mixed kind of opinion on this, where a lot of people think when it's at the idea stage and you haven't done anything, obviously there's IP laws that can protect you, but IP doesn't protect ideas. So if you've got an idea, it's just an idea. How you execute it, develop it, build it, you know, that is where the key is for any successful business. So some people say when it's the idea stage, you shouldn't be scared to share it. You shouldn't be scared to show your designs. If it's an investor, they're seeing hundreds and thousands of companies. Um, so, you know, for them, what if they see a similar one? They don't want to be ending up kind of having obligations to you and being stuck in this agreement, which, to be honest, isn't probably that tight anyway. It's quite hard to enforce. Um, whereas others are adamant, you must sign this. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? So, so I've I've heard this argument quite a, quite a bit, and I know that more and more the the Silicon Valley kind of VCs just don't sign um, non disclosures. They kind of go, we we don't invest in ideas, we invest in people, and we invest in the people that are executing those ideas. 
and I and I and I I'm definitely of that mind. And will I will I one day get um, if I come up with a clever idea, someone can steal it? Yeah, but the the, the reality is that. Quite often, the founder who's come up with a great idea has the passion for that idea, and they just won't they won't do that. So if I could make this a little bit personal, and then I have a, a business called Click, and it's a it's some kind of a, it's an idea of a content sharing platform. I shared it with two of my clients in an early prototype stage where it was just an idea. And the one said, great, I want to invest in that so that you can build it. The other one said, great, I'm going to build my own one. And I was devastated because I was like, what? They're bigger than me and all the rest. Um, and then then what happened is I was really upset about that, but we carried on going. A year later, I went back to that same company and went, here's my product, developed, done, ready. And they said, how's yours going? They said, oh, we haven't started. And then they they started using my one, you know. So it really comes down to where's that passion? So is it the passion to drive that or is it... Um, or, or is it just the idea? Yeah, I think you quite often hear sort of like the competitive edge and so forth as well of what you bring to an idea. So even if someone tries to do the same thing, if they don't have the knowledge and there's so many small decisions made, you know, daily in businesses in these really early stages, like we, we go through slight pivots all the time or slight new ideas come up which will define the whole, the whole platform. Um, they're, they're going to, even if they take the idea, they're going to end up in a completely different place probably um, compared to where you end up in six months or a year as well. I'm sure, Suraj, your thing yeah. ended up with so many little details that were different compared to a year of Correct. what, what you said the, the idea before. So I think you're right. It's that you've got the passion, you've got the competitive edge. If it was such a simple idea, someone could whip it up in a few weeks and get it out there. The, the other, the other thing with this is that the idea is, I, I often say that an idea is like a flame. And if you keep it really tight, that flame is going to stay small or it's going to die. Whereas if you open your hands and you show it to people, it breathes light into it. It actually gets better. So you speak to someone and someone goes, yeah, that's great, but why don't you do this? And why don't you do that? And it just pushes the, the, the circle up and you, you actually get better. So I, I'm definitely in this camp of, share your ideas, it's, and if someone's yeah. going to copy you, go for it. I think there is a, just to play, maybe devil's advocate on the other side as well, I think there is a time for an NDA, but it's not at that first stage. So yeah, we, we've spoken to some startups coming to us for, for investment and so forth, and they've gone, I won't tell you anymore until that. And we go, well, sure, if we want to go further into your financials and you want to show us all your projections and share all that, then like, fine. But first, we need to know the idea. We're not going to sign it over for nothing. Um, if you, if you want, don't want to tell us your idea, that's okay. Um, we'll sign one later if need be, but not at the first step. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. So some people just get too caught up in their own product and their own idea, and they've got fears that someone's going to copy it, especially if you don't have the resources at that stage. So you might be looking to build this, and you want investment because you can't do it without that, so you worry, oh, someone else with resources will copy it. But I think that's something people need to kind of relax a bit i mean as ben said time and a place if it's the specific details fine um the only other time is if your idea is patentable and you know you want to get a patent for it <clears throat> by law you can't reveal that idea to the public until you've applied for the patent that's the only occasion uh where i think from the beginning you'd want to kind of keep it quiet but then that that is so specific at that point so you could you could share your idea without revealing the ins and outs of 
how it works and that's normally a technological function so you can still share the idea without an nda it's just yeah. the announced that you need it for um all right great i think that kind of sums us up for today so thanks very much guys and yeah. uh, look forward to the next episode Perfect. Cheers. yeah cheers, cheers guys. guys have a good one cheers.